Welcome to Baleadas Don't Belong to Us. Hey, it's your podcast host, Idalia Wilmoth, also known as Dahlia. Happy, happy day to you. Um, for those of you who are listening to Baleadas, thank you so much for tuning in. And guess what? We are on episode two, and I am truly excited. And for those who are new listeners to Baleadas Don't Belong to Us, I have to give you a little bit of background on what it is all about. Baleadas Don't Belong to Us is a space and a place. Um, This podcast is to understand and to interrogate and deconstruct the voices of Black English people and Britons whose voices are often blurred, whether blurred through racism, whether blurred through tourism, whether blurred through education. And so Raten Honduras... Um, African culture runs deep through Rattan. From music to food and so much more, Rattan is a cultural producing space. And so I created Baleadas Don't Belong to Us as this space to begin talking about what does it mean to be Black in Rattan. And so as one of my things, I'm like, hey, you know, Baleadas is a food, is this traditional Honduran Salvadorian dish compromised of flour, tortilla filled with mashed fried beans. But guess what? That is not originally um, what black people in Rattan eat. And so um, if you listen to the first podcast, it would tell you a little bit of background. But guess what? Episode two is all about what does it mean to be black in Rattan? And so before we even begin um, that conversation, I hope that you all are, are taking care of yourself. I hope that you um, are loving on yourself, but I also hope that you are hugging your family a little tighter. Um, I hope that you are taking breaks in between. I know we are living in the most interesting time in our lives and who would have known that we would have been in this particular pandemic. But I also believe that this is an opportunity for us to um, pay attention to our families, to pay attention to ourselves and also begin to love on each other. And so if you have an opportunity, just take some time then to reflect and be thankful. What are you thankful for? I just I just recently was kind of doing some journaling and I started to think about what am I thankful for? And it's just some of the simple things that we um, take for granted, even a shelter, even if our cars don't function all the way, as long as it's moving, um, I begin to um, be thankful for that. So you know, we're living in some interesting times, but no, hold on that everything's going to be all right and um, have your sphere of influence. It's okay to vent, cry, yell, scream, um, and also know that take care of yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. So episode two of Balayalas Don't Belong to Us, I have a special guest. Her name is Rochelle Rivers Buchanan, who is actually my cousin, who is currently living in Rattan, Honduras. And so my question for our podcast um, for this episode is, what does it mean to be Black in Rattan? And so I begin to ask her just questions about, you know, where she's from, um, how is Rattan doing? 
to give a little insight of what's going on. As I was reading um, this week, I began to look at this book that I just recently purchased called Blacks and Blackness in Central America Between Race and Place, um, edited by Alao Gunmanson and Jason Wolf. And it's a Duke University Press 2010. And as I am beginning to look at this book and beginning to dive into this book, it really has some really deep, rich understanding that could help us drive this conversation forward. So before we even begin starting um, talking to my cousin um, in this episode, I want to begin with just a little excerpt from the book. And it's actually within the introduction. And it begins to talk about the centrality of blackness and the imageries of blackness that has developed as national identities and historical consciousness that the same nation states have often countenanced widespread practices of social, political, and regional exclusion of blacks. And so in the beginning of this particular chapter, it begins to talk about the histories of slavery, segregation, Racism in the mainland, Hispanic, Caribbean underpinned the emergence of new ideals of freedom, equality, democracy, and honor. Yet, like any many other regions of the African diaspora, these histories were not simply whitewashed, but so often were displaced and denied. And so, in the beginning of this book, it begins to map out that The African diaspora that went through the Caribbean and the Latin American countries, often there's always this narrative that it completely went whitewashed. While that narrative is somewhat true, it's also talking about the displacement and the denying of blackness within these particular spaces. And so we will hear some of that type of language and some of that um, understanding as I am interviewing my cousin Rochelle. Or Shelly, I'm gonna call her Shelly because I, you know, I'm not used to call her uh, Shelly. <laughs> Shelly, um, about what does it mean to be black, and what does it look like in Rattan to feel like you have been denied or been displaced, and what is her positionality within this autonomous or used to be autonomous space? Now it is functioning in so many different uh, ways, and so. Um, I can't wait to interview her. Um, we, this interview was just waiting, and so I'm truly excited. And so I will be introducing you to Shelly. And just to give you a little disclaimer, there might be a little bit of shotty sounds and things of that nature because I was interviewing. I'm interviewing her um, throughout the. Um, conversation from a different country, of course, and so internet connection and things of that nature. But overall, our conversation is powerful. And so tune in. And I'm excited. Hi, 
Thank you so much for joining Baleadas Don't Belong to Us. This is such a treat because, number one, um, <laughs> you living in Britain, and number two, you're my cousin. So, <laughs> this is a treat for me. Um, so, you know, Baleadas Don't Belong to Us, you know, it's this podcast to really kind of talk about some of the issues that go on in Britain as far as black people, um, just not all issues, but also look at the positive things that are going on within the island as well. And so I just want to uh, introduce you to everyone. If you could just tell me your name and what part of Rattan you come from and when you were born and raised, you know, some things, some just a little facts, nothing too much. <laughs> Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, Shelly. Yeah, now I can hear you. I can hear you now. Okay. Um, my name is Rochelle Rivers, and I am originally from Watering Place on Rotan, but most of my life, I pretty much grew up in Coxon Hole, where my grandma lived. We would always visit her every day, so I grew up in between those two places. Okay, cool. So, how was how was it growing up in an island? You know, some people you hear about, oh, you know, you think when you tell people <laughs> you're from an island, you know, you know, um, they're like, wait, huh? How are you black and you living on an island and it's, they're speaking Spanish and all these different things? So, you know, as a child. Um, what are some of some great memories and then some things that, you know, um, you experienced growing up? Because you could tell our listeners um, a little bit about Rattan. And because, you know, some people still don't, to this day, don't even know where Rattan is even located. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, give me a little insight about that. islanders always make a little joke on some people because if you look at the map Honduras is on one side and the Bay Island is on another side so we always make this little joke that we're not Hondurans because the map says Honduras on one side and Bay Island's on another side (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um, growing up would have to say Rattan was very peaceful that's one thing I can say it was very peaceful um there was a low crime rate and it was it just was an overall nice experience usually here on the island we didn't used to see a lot of Spanish people as we do now because a lot of them started migrating from the mainland over here and A lot of our culture has been has been lost or kind of shifted into more of the Spanish culture. Hence, why my cousin is doing baleadas is not for us. <laughs> my grandma and and others and 
my parents and others, they would, they would like, keep their yards clean. We would burn our dirts and everything in the yard. And now you can walk on the street. You didn't used to see the street as, like, littered, littered with, with a lot of garbage and stuff. And now you can literally walk around and you can see garbage here or garbage there. It's not, it's not a big, big thing or a big amount. But still, that's not something that we was used to growing mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not something that we was used to. I think a lot of, like, the older island people, they would always, like, grow stuff in their yard. They would grow bananas, um, cocoa, <laughs> a little bit of everything mm-hmm. they would have in their yard. And you would be sharing around with your neighbors or stuff you know like but now there's there's no not much sharing and all of that going on it's things things are different than what they used to be back then mm-hmm. definitely is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i could you know i can hear i remember hearing the stories of my dad and you know our uncle tio's um you know our <laughs> family members who used to say you know things were so communal meaning that people would share and people would look out for each other and there was not a problem with certain people coming into your yard or you know people making bread and caring for one another and so now you see some kind of shift going on within Rattan where there are some kind of boundary lines would you say um of who can't get what <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so, okay, to shift a little bit with that, when you were growing up, how was school? So did you go to school on, in Rattan? And then what happened once you kind of graduated from around Rattan or, and then you went to Honduras? You know, speak a little bit about your experience, like, was there black teachers? Um, did they teach you about um, your black culture in Rattan? And if so, you know, who was teaching you about the things that belong to the black people, like the black English people in Rattan? Um, was that taught in school or was that not taught in school? And then what were some of your experiences in Rattan versus, because I know you went to school on the mainland, correct? No, my brother and my well, my sister. Your sister did, yeah. Um, Vanessa, yeah, she went. Yeah, um, yeah, she mostly did most of her all of her stuff over there. Okay, but no, I I pretty much stayed here in Rotan. I did all my schooling here mm-hmm. in, on the island. Okay, and actually, we had some some black teachers, like especially when I used to go to Methodist. Um, let me see, that was like. First, first grade and preparatoria is what we would call it. Okay, pre-kinder, not pre-kinder. I didn't go to kinder. What's after kinder? Um, first grade. 
Uh, we have something in between here. We call that preparatoria. <laughs> oh, child. <laughs> See, look, I said, you know, I'm. we're so westernized. I said, wait, you're after kindergarten, you go to first grade? And she said, no, you don't no. go to first grade. You go to a little uh, uh, prep, uh, yeah, a, a prep school. It's like a prep, prep school. It's a prep school, right. And then absolutely. we would graduate from prep school into, into go to first grade then. But, um, yeah, we had some black, we had some black teachers and stuff, but, you know, predominantly, most, mostly everything was, was Spanish. So I think most of everything that we learned about our culture, we learned it at home. It wasn't really something that was taught mm-hmm. in the schools because, as you know, mm-hmm. here in the schools, they teach us a lot about Honduran history, yeah. not what happened on the island. Mm-hmm. Like, we get taught about Francisco Morazan, mm-hmm. the, the Indio Lempira. Yes. And, Do you um, talk yeah. about John Cox and Holt, you know, like the... the you know those those white men no. that came. You didn't even got talk mean, about like, that. Oh wow. No, no, we no. don't talk about that. Like no. we, we don't. Okay, like if I'm not mistaken, our we have a there's a school down in Flowers Bay that is founded after I think our great great grandfather or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so podcasters. Flowers it's Bay is a. My, Flowers Bay is another, um, I want to say, in our, in the Western view or whatever, it is uh, another parish site. So it's a, it's like a little, when we have counties here in the United States, Flowers Bay would be another particular county part um, in Rattan. So basically it's another sector of Rattan. I had to make that clear because, you know, people don't know where Flowers Bay is at. <laughs> so, um, I want to give them some insight that Flowers Bay is on Rattan Island. It is considered a small, I won't call it a village, but you know, basically it's like a small county, um, where, uh, where we would talk about here in the United States, like Marion County, Flowers Bay would be a county um, in Rattan. So, Koge, yes, go ahead. So, in Flowers Bay, our... Yeah. I think great-great-grandfather or something, Thomas Thomas McField, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Thomas McField, there is great-grandfather, a, yeah. There is, there is a, a school named after him, but again... We were not taught what these people did. The same thing like John Brooks, like what did they do to, to get these schools started and all of that. They don't teach us the Rattanian history. We know about the mainland history, which I always say, and God forgive me if I'm saying this against, you know, these Hondurans because I'm supposedly, supposedly a Honduran too. <laughs> but I don't see what they did on the mainland, how it benefited us, okay? Because mm-hmm. I always say, I'm sorry, Queen Elizabeth, if you ever hear this podcast, <laughs> but you shouldn't have let us go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just being real. <laughs> that is so funny. But no, you speak your mind, you speak it, this, I again... Uh, Baleadas Don't Belong to Us is definitely to reiterate that this is a space where 
we are going to disrupt and we are going to discuss things that most people don't want to discuss. And, and there's very levels to why, you know, people don't want to discuss, but I think it's very important, um, especially because I know Shelly will be talking later on about, as she said, stated earlier, that the black history or, you know, the black people or the, um, history of Rattan is literally erasing like they're it's becoming very um gone <laughs> and so it's so important that this space allows for some yes. pre- yeah some preservation and that we get begin to have these dis- important discussions in ways to continue to preserve our history so go ahead yeah so what about Hondurans? <laughs> the Honduran mainland people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those um I don't know. They 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 just have a different culture from us. They have a different way of living from us. And it's not everybody. I can't say it's everybody because everybody is not alike even though they're from the mainland. But you know, I a lot of things that I see going on around. I can't say like I watch the news in the U.S. and I see a lot of like, you know, really bad racism and and thing and stuff that go on up there. I can't say it's it. We have racism over here, but it's not it's not that extremely pronounced in that sense. Mm-hmm. But we see it a lot. Like when you go to interview interview for jobs. Because there was a period period in time that I was not working. I didn't have a job. Um, but, you know, we would go. Like, I have cousins that we would go. We would leave our papers here. We would leave our curriculum there. And, you know, we could, we, we could be, literally be qualified for the job. English speaking. Well, bilingual. Let me say that. Bilingual. Yes. And they would still end, it, end up giving it to somebody that know they can't speak English that know they can't hold that position just because they're Spanish mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know what and you know you say that you know it's different well you know at the basis racism operates in the same way and it's so crazy you say that while you have the Spanish people doing that to you all who are the dominant group who are oppressing you all we have that same issue here in the United States where white people are oppressing black and brown and immigrant um, people by the same thing that you just said um, as far as job opportunity and social economic status and social mobility um, and even um, job discrimination based off we could be overly qualified and we apply for a position but when they find out what our race is or they figure out one thing, um, then we don't get the job. And so we, you know, we tend to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And, you know, you can apply to 20 different jobs in one day. <laughs> and you're wondering why, like, oh my gosh, I, I hit all the requirements and it's because of racism. So yeah, you know, while you all have the same, it's the exact same thing. And that's very interesting. It's very powerful that you um, state that because I think a lot of people do not know that. So you shedding light on that is powerful. Yeah. Um, 
And even within within the black community, you would hear some people saying like, oh, that black people are lazy and that the problem is, the, the issue with us is that we don't want to work any and every job. And I'm like, okay, for some people, maybe that is true for some, but for me and for other people that I know that have gone to the same, like actually looking for jobs and stuff, it's not, it doesn't apply to us. Because the thing is, sometimes, this this is why I think a minimum wage salary exists. Because, for example, if I want to work and I think I should be getting paid, let's just say a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. a spanish person as long as they can get the job they would do it for 500 so you know this this makes employers to think like you know they can set a low pay rate and and just because these people work for That's so stupid. I mean, I, oh, it's annoying actually. But they always say black people are lazy and this and that. And I actually got into contention with a friend of mine over the same thing because she's like, "You right now they're working on the road and they're remodeling the road and stuff on uh, on the east end of the island." And she was like, "You know, when I go to work every day, mind you, she's half black." Um, when I go to work every day, I only see Spanish people, like Spanish men out there working. Like, so where's the black man? Or she heard people, some black guy saying, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't work at this job and work at the other job and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, sometimes we just don't get the same opportunities as That's some right. people. That's right. And, and, and it's because of color of skin uh social economic status and all those different factors um education too because you know sometimes you know they look at people real crazy but you go ahead yeah yeah there's some there's one more thing i have to say absolutely my dear (laughs) and that is well about the education thing Mm -hmm. yes that's that was another comment that somebody said too that you know we need to go and educate ourselves and do this and do that and do the other thing and again (laughs) i always go back to the same thing yes we have intelligent black people that have went to the mainland and studied and they have come back here they have come back home and we can't get jobs even though we have the degree you know, so okay, so so okay, so what did I go? What what did I go over there for? You know what? You know, so it's uh, one thing. This is what I this this is what I wanted to say though. Black people, we tear each other down, and that that's real. We tear each other down, that because I know sometimes that you can go to a job mm-hmm. and. There could be 20 Spanish people there and five black people. And the five black people, they have to, they, they want to be fighting 
between each other instead of we watch each other's backs because this is how Spanish people work out here. Mm -hmm. If you're and you're black, they want they want your position for one of their friends, so they're gonna do anything they can do to try to get you out so somebody else that they know can get that spot. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why we as black people, islanders, we have to tear each other down. Let's watch each other's back. Let's watch each other's jobs. That's what we should do because nobody else is going to do it. Mm -hmm. So why do we have to fight in between each other? That makes no sense to me. Wow. Wow. It's a powerful statement that you say. That's definitely powerful. So Shelly, so for you, what does it mean for you to be black in return? Like, how do you feel? Are you proud of who you are and um what are some of the things that you I'm black don't crack I'm proud of who I am <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh I'm proud I'm proud to be I'm proud to be who I am because sometimes I look around and I see some of these people have no culture at all so, you know, just 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 that alone is something to be proud of. At least for us, that still continue with our culture because, you know, in this generation, a lot of ba- babies are having babies. They themselves, um, having they didn't grow up with with that. Like, you know, some parents they don't care too much about their kids or teaching them whatever. So they're left alone to do what they want and then they go they have kids so I think that's another that's another thing with, with, with our culture too. it's getting scarce and nobody is learning what they need to learn but what, what can I say I am one of those proud sexy black people <laughs> that <laughs> that they to make a change in my home I don't want to continue to work for somebody all of my life because I don't feel like that is actually doing me any justice or any any anything else that I would like to teach or be productive at mm-hmm. because I feel like even though you're working for for an, another islander but there's also a uh, um, I think uh, a, a little bit of slavery, like a slave-like mentality that goes along with that because you are just getting paid. They live here. They know how everything runs here, but yet they're going to pay you just enough to get by, you know, even though they, they are islanders and whatever, but they look out for themselves. So, you know, to me, I don't know, it's... Uh, I, I really don't know what to say about that question. What does it mean for me to be an islander? I'm proud of who I am. That's all I can say. I'm proud of who I am, where I grew up. I'm not ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know if there's any other people, like your friends and people, you know, you hang out with, um, you know, are they proud to be from Rattan or is this just, just like, I want to leave Rattan and find new opportunity? <laughs> okay. So, let me just say this first. We are proud to be 
from Rotan. We just seem proud to be of Honduras. <laughs> <laughs> so you, if you hope that, you know, so, you know, at one point in history, and I know this from just reading books on Rotan and looking at the history of Rotan, at one point, Honduras did give Rotan its autonomy. And it kind of still operates a little bit of autonomy, but not too much because, like you said, the Honduran government um, and the Spaniards or the Spanish people have now taken over uh, a huge lot. I mean, from tourism, um, you know, baleadas, you know, I mean, you know, that foolishness. That, (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is like from a historical standpoint, I know that from just reading literature and things of that nature, that at one point, um, you know, uh, Rotan did operate in its own autonomy, of, even according to your uncle, my father, who said at one point, you know, there wasn't this rift and wrath between Spanish people. Like they could, people really could just be free. And so I think, I know for sure Honduras looking at Rattan as this kind of big tourist island. Um, and just from a critical standpoint, um, listeners, that there, um, from a hierarchy standpoint, that there's this capitalism on sea, sand, and sun. And I took that from some book that I was reading about um, places where tourism tends to happen. And so... Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Shelly, um, you know, if, say, for instance, there was no Honduras, like, what do you could imagine this space could look like or be like? Well, let me just say what happened here. I think we did at some point have a little bit of autonomy, mm-hmm. but I don't know what happened between the mayor, one of the mayors, and the governor, one governor. There was some contention between the both of these people, and I, one of them ended up sending some part of our taxes, some paper exactly showing how much taxes we were actually collecting from the cruise lines and everything. How much, well, our taxes in general, and when the Honduran government saw the amount of money that we were making, that's why like 60% of our tax or more goes to them over there. So, they build up places over in Honduras and leave Rotan behind. And I think it's very stupid in a sense because if you're getting a lot of your tax money from here, we are like the most vulnerable part of Honduras. I think they should have had better security and everything on the island because if you're if this is where let's just call us your cash cow if we are your cash cow don't you think you should protect your investment then wow Wow. because at the end of the day if there's a lot of stuff like um right now since with this pandemic 
a lot of people aren't working and whatever mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of robberies and stuff that has been going on so people are not um the honduran government i feel like they should have like better security for us here on the island they should have looked out for us we should have been their number one priority because at the end of the day if the cruise ship stopped your money gonna get cut off over there too <laughs> i'm just saying and that's true and we know from the pandemic and we know from the pandemic that um you know there was like you said issues of robbery um issues of spaniards you know sneaking into rattan right um and like you said, <laughs> if the if the money stop flowing, they gonna get cut off too. So you know it's <laughs> you know they yeah. they really can't sit here and be mad because it's like oh okay you're it's all fine and good that you cut us off, but now guess what? It's cutting you off too, and now you have to deal with that cut off. And so it's almost like now you kind of understand what the shoe feel like <laughs> in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because now it's hurting your backbone. It's, it's hurting your economic backbone. Wow. 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 Okay, Shelly. Well, first of all, if you have anything to leave our listeners, um, what would be something that you could encourage the next generation of, you know, of Black people in Rattan? You know, what do you see... Um, in the future, and um, yeah, I, I guess I will stop there with that. Sorry, what happened? Um, everything goes like radio silence sometimes. So I have to wait until it click back. No, in. that's fine. So what I would, what would I leave with the listeners and future generations of island people? Well, I think first of all, we all need to teach our kids about our ancestors. And I mean island ancestors, not Limpira, not Francisco Morazan, or any one of those people. Every time I think about that, because I just laugh. Because let me, I can't, sorry listeners, I laugh at that all the time because, um, uh, Lempira, he is all over. When I tell you, he is all over the place. He is all over the place. And I have nothing wrong with the indigenous, you know, um, person. Because I think Lempira, he, he had a different type of thing. Um, but I crack up all the time because you should see the capitalism that goes on with these two figures on Rattan. Like, it's everywhere. It's on the money. It's on t-shirts. It's just, ugh. So that's why I laugh. Yeah, it's, it's literally everywhere. Like you, you turn it's left, Lempira's in your face. You turn right, Lempira's in your face. So I crack up every time. Yeah, so, so th- that's what I would say. Like teach your kids the history. We need to, you know, there's things that we can do to try to teach them. Implement as much as 
what our ancestors used to do our grandmother implement baking some some of these young generation they don't know nothing about baking coconut bread they don't know nothing about making ox they don't know nothing child i don't know, know how to make coconut bread either see <laughs> Girl, don't make that. I'm gonna smack you to this <laughs> Y'all, do not listen to this part. That was a. That was a. That was a. <laughs> That's a disclaimer. The, that was a cousin. That's a cousin family moment. So of course, yeah. Anyways, go back to what you said. <laughs> yeah, we need to teach our kids these stuff because let me tell you something. These people they're capitalizing on our laziness because. Like, literally, you can sit out on the fence or anywhere in the yard and you would see black people passing with their little plate of food. I'm guilty of this sometimes to me and my friend, but it's just that, you know, sometimes we just want something different. But I mean, I see some black people literally every day. They're out by these Spanish people buying fried chicken. They're... You're investing in these people. You know, we need to learn to invest in ourselves. We need to be, we need to be the one that's creating business opportunities. Like if those people want to come to live, live, live from here, from the mainland, no, don't sell them your lands. Yes. Don't sell them yes. your lands. Yes. If you can sell another islander your land, do that. Yes. Or build on your land. Make them come and rent from you. Get yes. money from them. Yes. But you don't go giving them your money. That's right. No. That's no. Right. So we need to we need to do something different with, with our culture. We need to do something different this generation. Because some of these just want to do drugs, weed, smoke, drink, whatever. That's all some of the young folks are interested in nowadays they don't care about doing anything with their life you know and it's so sad to see that some of us get labeled as the same thing or as being even we have a whole different mindset and lastly about something that you said earlier about um some of us wanting to leave to to get a different a better life or a better opportunity mm-hmm. the thing is Yes, because I'm one of those people that really do want to leave to a better opportunity. But a better opportunity to come back to the island to do something. Because, you know, with what we're making here, it's not... It's just like you're living from hand to mouth, like what my grandmother used to say. (laughs) It's not like you can do a whole lot with it. So, yeah. But we want to go away to better come back and do something at home it's not that we want to go and stay away forever mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay well i thank you so much prima for this conversation um overall you know Rattan is a beautiful place like it is and um like she said you know people are working on the behalf of other people to create change and starting to raise awareness about a lot of different things that go on the island so don't get it wrong and twisted that people are just laying low you know voices are being raised and so hopefully this podcast and and, and this podcast will be that particular space where we can discuss and being able to uh, feel free to discuss um, issues but also 
shed light of the positivities and the beautiful um, nature of Rattan. Because let me tell you, I come from a beautiful culture, heritage. I am like, Shelly knows, like I play no games when it comes to Rattan. <laughs> and I was born in America. I was born in America. And, but because I was taught, um, and not just because I wasn't just taught, it's just something in my bloodline, you know, my bloodline just tells me like, you should, you know, this is a space where, um, you should move forward. So thank you so much, Shelly. You're welcome, honey. Okay. Black, don't crack. <laughs> Stay safe. Stay beautiful. And keep that glow up and that bless up. That's right. I love y'all. Love you too. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay. Thank you.